We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word.
Good afternoon. Thank you so much for coming. May I wish you a Merry Christmas? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, ladies, for helping with the prelude. We're going to enjoy some good music, reading, congregational singing as well. Please help us by singing out with that, and uh, we, uh, we look forward to the whole service. Join me in prayer, if you would, please. Father, we bow before you and ask that in this uh, hour or so that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified, for it is his birth, his birthday, that we are celebrating, his incarnation, and all that uh, came forth from that. Help us as we sing and as we uh, play the music and, and, and sing for uh, one another that uh, this time will be honoring to you. And Lord, I especially pray that you would make it be a, if I could say an educational time, but a time of learning, a time of growing for us in our understanding of what, uh, G- who Jesus is and what he did. And we thank you in advance for that work that will happen today, that spiritual work that is so crucial in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just listen as I read from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. Luke records, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly there, were, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men.
Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 75. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life.
God's word says in Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank you. 
God's word says in Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh.
Just 
thankful for each and every person who participated in the program and lent their skill, great skill, was it not? Uh, we enjoy that very, very much. Thank you for, for each one and <clears throat> for you all coming today. Bear with me for a few moments. Uh, we always like to have a portion of God's Word in our services, and I'd like to share with you something that hopefully will be of some interest to you uh, this day as we think about Christmas. Um, In John chapter 10, the Bible says, Now, it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Very appropriate for us uh, today, huh, with uh, the weather. It is called the Feast of Dedication here in the Bible because about 165 or 164 years before Christ, the Jewish people cleansed their temple and rededicated it and its altar in Jerusalem. It had been polluted by the Um, Syrian ruler Antiochus Epiphanes IV, who paganized the region, tried to convert the Jews to their uh, Greek uh, forms of religion. And the Maccabeans revolted against Antiochus and eventually drove the Syrians out of their region. That became known as the Hasmonean dynasty, that group of people. And because of the prominence of the Maccabean family, that uh, feast was sometimes called the Feast of the Maccabees. But it's also called the Festival of Lights because the uh, legend goes the Feast of Dedication involved a miracle according to rabbinic tradition. When the Jews re-entered the temple, 
they could all, that's when they were beginning to, um, to cleanse it, they could only find, the legend says, one small sealed jug of olive oil that had not been profaned or contaminated by the Seleucid rulers. They used this to light the menorah in the temple, and though the oil, they say, was only enough to last for one day, it lasted for eight days, time enough for more oil to be made ready. And that's why the Festival of Lights is eight days long. Now, as much as I'd like to imagine that miraculous story to be true, we don't have direct eyewitness testimony to verify it, so we'll have to leave it uh, where it is. The true miracle, I think, was the uh, sending away of the Syrians out of the, uh, out of the region by a small band of Jewish people. This is why, by the way, a modern menorah has nine lamps. It has eight for the eight days of the feast, and then it has one more to light those other eight. And I'm indebted to one of our brothers who can't be here today because he's been ill, but he did a little uh, research assistant job for me. And so, George, I thank you if you're watching. Thank you very much for your assistance uh, on that. The menorah, by the way, the word menorah is a translation directly from the Hebrew text of lampstand. And the lampstand we're more familiar with from reading the English Bible is described in Exodus 25 as a seven-candled stand or light made of pure gold. You've seen a menorah before, right, with the tall central uh, stick and, and a lamp on the top and then three coming out, three branches from each side. Well, it was made from pure gold one talent worth of gold, which we don't know exactly the the weight of the talent, but it it was anywhere from 75 to 130 pounds of gold, from two and a half to three plus million dollars in today's value in that one lamp. That was a central fixture in the altar area in the temple in Jerusalem, and it was meant to give light to that interior of the temple. The lamp was tended day and night by priests there in the Jerusalem temple. Now this feast, the Feast of Lights or Dedication as it's called, is not otherwise mentioned in the Bible, just in this one place that I mentioned in John chapter 10. It's not uh, established in the Old Testament law, uh, as we call it, the Hebrew Bible and the Tanakh, but it is nevertheless important to our Jewish friends and a fitting symbol of endurance through Uh, extraordinarily dark nights of persecution and the light of God that guides and shines to the end of that road. I have been speaking about the festival we know better as Hanukkah, which is the Hebrew word for dedication. Hanukkah means dedication. And this year, it's celebrated right at this time, December 7 through 15, 2023. And it's mentioned there in John chapter 10 that Jesus was in Jerusalem and participated in some measure in the celebration of that feast. Now, some may think in a context like this, why is Pastor Matt speaking about Hanukkah, a Jewish holiday, in a Christian uh, Christmas service? But I do so for a couple of reasons. One reason is because I want to acknowledge the presence of the holiday. I want to um, extend a, a hand of friendship and welcome to our Jewish neighbors, uh, as well as to all. We want to befriend you who may feel dark around this year's holiday time. And that darkness does fall on many of us, uh, Jew and Gentile alike, in fact, uh, over the course uh, sometimes of the holidays. We have not forgotten our Jewish friends um, for the ancient promises that we hold dear to Abraham, 
to David and to the house of Israel and Judah and what is called the New Covenant were to the Jewish people first. And we are especially thankful for this, the provisions made for the Gentile people in the promises to Abraham. Do you remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? In you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And so that, 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 that Jewish religion, that Jewish faith holds a very special place for us in our hearts. But how do we connect this to Christmas? Is there some kind of connection? Well, the second reason I want to speak of Hanukkah is to establish a connection in our minds between the physical light of the menorah for the temple on the one hand, and on the other hand, the spiritual light that God gave that first Christmas. The light of the menorah is a picture of God's presence, which was literally in the temple in those days in which God dwelt there in a special way. This is because light is a symbol of God. It's a symbol of his purity, of his holiness, of his radiant glory, of his self-disclosure in nature and in the human conscience and in the word of God, which we call the Bible, the Hebrew Bible and the uh, New Testament. What is it that makes Jesus' birth so famous? I mean, he was born in kind of an out-of-the-way place, a little town called Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Uh, Herod didn't even know where, the, where this fellow was supposed to be born. The, the, the scriptures prophesied of him, but he was born to parents who were apparently in some level of poverty. They weren't married yet. They were surrounded by, by scandal as far as the world was concerned. That place where they were was under the boot of the Roman Empire two millennia ago. It seems that that event should have faded into total obscurity. But his birth is famous because of the works and words of Jesus and, and to the words that prophesied his coming. Um, the eyewitness miracles, the teaching, his confrontation with religious scholars, his tremendous um, impact on the nation of Israel, his death, his resurrection, his uh, influence on the world through his followers and through his apostles and the production of the New Testament text of Scripture, which together with the Hebrew Bible is the most well-known book across the globe. Furthermore, we have the complete transformation that he works in those who believe in him. How many times have you seen a life totally transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why his birth is so well-known, because with all of that, people said, hey, we better go dig a little bit and get back to the beginning and see where this Jesus fellow came from. What happened when Jesus was born was that God's light of life came into the world. The Jewish Messiah, the, the Christian's Lord and Savior, is the light of the world. Anyone who trusts in him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In his light, we see light, Psalm 36, 9 says. And Isaiah says in chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the shadow of darkness, upon them a light has shined. And you know Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The 
lyrics that were just presented to us in the song, How Dark the Night, go like this. How dark the night in Bethlehem, this is verse 1, where travelers sought for rest. How crude the cave they sheltered in while sheep and oxen slept. Yet light burst forth into the world, dispelling sin and strife. The child born to a virgin girl was Christ, the light of life. Second verse, how dark the night o'er pastures bleak, where shepherds kept their watch. How cold the wind which stole their sleep and stung their weary flock. But glory pierced the midnight sky and turned fatigue to fright. The king is born, the angel cried, to hail the birth of light. The first two verses here refer to the historical events with which we are familiar. The, the narrative of the birth of Christ in a manger or a stable or here pictured as a cave, a very a mean place to uh, find your birth. And the second verse of the shepherds who kept watch over their flock by night and were surprised to be interrupted in that watch by some angels who came to tell them, uh, as it says in Luke chapter 2, that unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A king was to be born there. Verses 3 and 4, though, are more significant in terms of their present-day application, I would say, this way. The third verse is this, how dark the night of fallen souls. Now we're not talking about a physically dark evening. We're talking about a darkness within. By sin and guilt oppressed, how hopeless our unspoken woe of God and good bereft, till Jesus breaks our moral night and melts the heart of stone. All praise to God in heaven's height and peace to men below. The third verse speaks of a darkness that we all have within our souls. Now, it's hard to be objective and to recognize the presence of that darkness because we have a natural tendency to justify ourselves. Listen to the words of another hymn. It's called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And it expresses how Christ will encompass your life if you meekly receive him. The words of that song say, No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Let me bounce to the fourth verse and then come back and just iterate one more time on this. The fourth verse says this, How dark the night that shrouds the world where war and anguish reign. How fierce are swords, how sharp are words, how piercing is our pain. O Christ, return like blazing dawn, the morning star of light. The Lord himself will be our sun, and day eclipse the night. The hymn, Joy to the World, expresses this latter idea when it talks about the global effects that sin has had on our world. In that hymn, it says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Then it goes on and says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove 
the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Now, Christians do believe, we do hold dear, that Jesus will come a second time. Though differently than he entered humanity the first time, at at that time, the world's darkness will be solved by direct divine intervention. Jesus came to bring light into the world, and he will indeed bring light into the world. For ourselves, we can't wait until then because, well, we want the Lord to come. But we cannot, we together cannot just wait until he comes to see what happens because we will likely perish without hope before that time comes. We don't know when he's coming, but may well be after the end of our earthly sojourn is over. And even if it did come in the next few years and we were alive, but we're not on friendly terms with the coming king, then we will be in a very bad situation. Back to verse 3. So really, the, the genius of this, of this hymn, this, this choir piece that was sung here, is that it speaks of the history, then it speaks of our internal inside, our, our individual situation, and then it speaks of the global situation. To our hearts individually, for the darkness of our souls, we don't have an electronic light meter that can measure that darkness, but we know that it's above zero on the scale. Are you with me? I speak abstractly. If we had a light meter in this room, it would tell us how many lumens were coming from those lights over my head. I wonder how many lumens the sin meter would read in our lives. The darkness meter, uh, to put it in a reverse fashion. God has built into us, however, a meter called our conscience. And when it is well-informed and tuned, it gives a good reading of the darkness within. Now, sometimes we're dull to that darkness, even saying we have no sin. Other times, we feel that darkness more pointedly. We experience thoughts of guilt, of vengeance, of hatred, of anger, of inordinate desires, of jealousy, of covetousness, of lust, of evil thoughts, even blasphemy or slander against God. Our conscience tells us that. Does your conscience talk to you sometimes? The purpose of the menorah was to give light in front of it. The purpose of Jesus in his coming was to bring light and eternal life to men. As as precious as that menorah is, $3 million worth of gold... It's a light bearer. Another light bearer came. His name is Jesus. Far more precious than gold that perishes. When Jesus was at Jerusalem at the Feast of Dedication, he reiterated that he is the Messiah and that those who hear his words and believe in him are assured of eternal life. If you sense that you are in darkness, or maybe you don't sense yet that you're in darkness, know this, Jesus is the light that produces life. He is the light of the world. He's the light of every man. Each of us has enough information from nature, from our conscience, and from God's Word, the Bible, to be able to know that we have a heart of darkness within us and that we need to be cleansed and forgiven. Jesus is the author of your present life, the provider of eternal life. He's the light of God's holiness and His self-disclosure. God revealed himself to humanity in the person of Jesus. 
He is the light of God's guidance so that you would know what to do and where to go. Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Believe in that light, dear ones, so that you will become a child of light. You yourself will have a light source in and around you that will drive out the dark of sins within and help you conquer the attacks that come from outside. Let's boil it down. We need to believe that God sent his son as our savior. We need to believe the truth that Jesus came to die for our sins and to offer us eternal life. Believe that truth that he came as a baby. He died as a savior. He rose again from the dead as Lord and that he will reign as king. If you take this king as your own, you will be cleansed and your darkness will become light. And remember, on the global scale, soon the day will dawn and the day star will arise over the entire earth, bringing comprehensive peace and goodwill among mankind. Does that sound like something you know from the Christmas story? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The Lord Jesus will return and there will be a time of great joy to the world because the ancient wrongs will be righted. And whatever is the best way to run a society, that will be the way that it's run. That will be the rule of the day. You can participate. You're freely invited, but only if you are brought into the family of light, which is under the headship of Jesus, the light of the world. How dark the night of fallen souls, by sin and guilt oppressed. How hopeless our unspoken woe of God and good bereft, till Jesus breaks our moral night and melts the heart of stone. All praise to God in heaven's height and peace to men below. May that peace be yours, dear ones. I don't know what your situation is spiritually. I know some of you, I don't know all of you very well. We haven't sat down to have that kind of conversation to say, hey, how are you doing? Do you know Jesus? Because knowing him, you will have fullness of joy. So I, I so want you to have that, that joy, to be able to walk uh, with him and enjoy the fellowship of his presence in your life. May God be honored and blessed. We have one more piece of music for you. And that is uh, going to be offered by Christy and Mrs. Wickert. We invite you to come and share with us, and then we'll close our program.
Thank you, ladies, for concluding our program that way. I, I'm always amazed that these um, instrumentalists can make their instruments do those things that they do. Isn't it something? Great skill. And we are grateful that you have applied that skill to worship Christ today. And I'm grateful for each one of you. Just know this, uh, your presence here, if it's been an encouragement to no one else, it's been an encouragement to me, but I know it's been an encouragement to many others as well. And so thank you for coming, each one. God bless you and thank you. Merry Christmas and may the blessing of Christ rest upon you. I pray that this Christmas will be a Christmas of light and that Christ will dispel that darkness that is without, all around us, and within, in our hearts. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think of the, the, you know, the holy night in which the Lord was born or all these kind of external holy things. Christ came to save sinners, and that means to turn you into a holy person. So you can walk around with that holiness emanating from within, from Him, as you share your life with other people. And so don't just think of all kinds of other stuff as, as holy, but think of yourself if you're a Christian as a saint. And if you're not a saint, then you can be one by coming to Jesus Christ. Amen.